Hello listeners, I am Dennis and this is Shiv Valley with a significant milestone today. I'm publishing episode 20. I started the podcast back in November 2020 and it's now been more than half a year. I'm very happy to see how many new people I've met through it and hopefully have been successful in contributing to the buzz of Sheffield startup ecosystem. With the 20th episode coming, I decided that I want to start doing things differently and hopefully better. This is the last episode with the old format, and by old format I mean an interview-based podcast with founders, stakeholders, investors and more from the area. From episode 21, I will introduce a new format which will include two stories in the beginning of the episode. One will be a local story regarding our startup ecosystem, so please feel free to send me any exciting stuff going around in our city. And the second story will be more global, something interesting happening in the world of startups around the world. I'll try to avoid Silicon Valley at least in the beginning, because everyone talks about it and there's so many other hubs producing sensational results. Then the episode would proceed with either the well-known now interview-based conversation with a founder, investor, etc. Or it will be a more loose conversation about a particular topic. For example, rather than inviting someone to talk about themselves and their particular occup- occupation, I would have guests to discuss a particular topic of interest, of course sticking to the startup world. I will continue to let you know the next date of an episode at the end of each one, as long as I know it. I'm sure you've noticed how I had a big break in May, which was mainly due to emptying my backlog rather than laziness, although I won't discredit the second. And after these news, let's focus on today's 20th episode, which is with Tom Oates from Midas. Tom's startup is still in validation phase, and I haven't seen a lot of other founders so obsessed with validation and in line with my credo that validation is as important as any stage within building a company, I wanted Tom to expand on this process and take us through Midas's journey to this point. This episode is part of a wider rubric called The Journey, where I will talk with Tom regarding Midas at, at least three times in the year, checking where, where is his startup on the timeline. If you know of a startup which is currently in validation stage and would like to be part of The Journey rubric, don't hesitate to contact me. Shiv Valley is supported by Sheffield Technology Parks. Episode is starting now. Enjoy your listening. So today I have Tom Oates from Midas. Hi Tom, how are you? Very good, Dennis. How are you? Yes, not too bad. Happy to be talking to you today and learning more about your project. But before, before that, I want to start by asking you about your career prior to starting Midas. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, so probably spans the last 20 years-ish of, of technology. I started my career with, with Abbey National um, Bank, which is now Santander. I then progressed to a uh, smaller software house uh, based in Sheffield called Solar Vista Software. They provide a, a B2B service management and scheduling system into businesses and I was a implementation consultant through to project manager through to product manager there spent about 10 10 12 years there uh, really great time really great people learned a lot it was fantastic but most recently I uh, decided to jump into the world of self-employment I set up my own project consultancy called Thrive back in 2018 and that, that was set up primarily to to work on client side um, of projects I kind of identified whilst I was at Solar Vista that you know the best projects that we had had really strong project and program management on the client side. They kind of understood the process, understood what suppliers were talking about, you know, could negotiate and, and liaise with agencies and third parties. So that's 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 what I do. And that's been going since 2018. I had a couple of really great projects through 2018, 19. And then the pandemic hit and 
how it was quite a nice time to uh, take take stock and have a think. And that's where I, I applied to the Cooper project. And Midas as a an entity was born <laughs> in much more than just an idea in my head. That's a good transition to my next question. With your myriad of experience in the technology sector, I actually want to mm. want to learn more from from you about how did you figure out what's the problem you want to solve with Midas, and uh, when did you decide to start it, and what actually is Midas? <laughs> okay, so Midas, the name actually stands for My Data as a Service, and it's all about taking control of your your digital footprint. So the, the concept I've heard. Uh, the, 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 the idea, I suppose, uh, has been bounced around in my head and with anyone who listened to me for about the last 10 years. I was looking back in prep for this this session and I've actually got a, a PowerPoint presentation, a deck that I started putting ideas into, which is dated 2013. So <laughs> it's been it's been a long time coming. And, and yeah, so, so Midas itself is Midas as a service. We're looking to address the challenges that we have with personal data. And that might be personal data in uh, a security sense. So what's out there, who's got it, who can use it, but also in the sense of, you know, there's, there's terrific value in the data that, that's being captured. And, you know, organizations like Google, Facebook, they run on people's behavioral data. You know, what are they clicking on? What are their likes? What are their dislikes? How can we market to them? How can we advertise to them? So, you know, there's ter- terrific value in, in this data and the, 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 the theory that we're trying to validate at the minute, because that's the stage we're in, is, you know, is is the user, are you and me getting sufficient value from our data um, that's out there? So, so yeah, so that, that's kind of in a nutshell what Midas is. It's looking at the personal data space. Um, it's trying to understand what people care about. It's trying to get people more value or the correct value for the data that they're providing. Sounds really interesting. And I remember on a Shark um, Dragon's Den episode a couple of weeks ago, there was actually a similar similar Absolutely. business uh, with, with a similar proposition. And I'm actually really happy to see that a Sheffield-based startup is trying is trying to do the same because I do believe that the idea is very plausible. And when we spoke earlier with you about mm-hmm. two weeks ago now, you told me about your really high aspirations, which I'm not going to say now so you can introduce them at, you know, in another <laughs> question later in the podcast. Yeah. But I actually can see, can see that happening because more and more people are getting involved and more and more people are interested in what's happening with their data and hopefully with projects like this even more we we want we want to get get control of their data and so that's i want to ask you where midas is currently standing because when we spoke with you we wanted to make this episode as part of a journey so you can can you please tell our listeners where is midas currently standing and how are the next three to six months looking for you so yeah so the, the the timeline if you like and the roadmap for midas i started with the Cooper project the back end of last year and have been in a period of problem validation, uh, problem identification and validation. So trying to understand what the core problem is that we're trying to solve. You know, the, the it, it won't go unnoticed to hopefully the majority of the audience that, you know, this is a massive, massive uh, scope of, of, of both in terms of the uh, the reach user scope and in terms of, you know, technical scope, you know, what, what do we do first? So that's it. There's, there's been a really good support network from the Cooper Project guys and the, 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 the wider advisors that I'm working with. 
just to try and nail this down into something that's yeah digestible, something that we can start with. The first, what's the first rung on the ladder? So the current status is I'm working and I've just I've just secured a grant from the University of Sheffield, and that grant is to pay for a couple of interns to come on board and really help us nail the, the market research. So. I've done an amount of research at a very, very high level, you know, one-to-one interviews, trying to gauge what people care about, what people don't care about. Now rolling that out into getting even more data, more market research to understand, you know, what what do people care about? That's the question that we're asking, you know, is are people more concerned with their data control and privacy or are they concerned or, or, or do they prefer uh, the internet as it is, which is largely free to use? Uh, because the internet runs on advertising. Where do people sit? Do people care? Do people not care? What demographics care? You know, do the younger generation care more about security? Do the older generation care more about security? What market are we going to target? This potentially could be global. So where where the hell do we start? And and, and that's where we are at the minute in the, in the research and validation phases. And, and I must admit, it's been a, quite a, a tough tough space for me to, to kind of swallow. I'm, I mean, I don't come from a research background at all. I'm very much a, let's get cracking with something. Let's, you know, what, what's the phrase? Fail fast. I mean, let's build something, fail fast and iterate and iterate and iterate. You know, that's what they push down. You, and I want to say push down your throat is, is a technologist, but you know, it, it largely works. You're kind of validating as you're going along, but you're getting value out of whatever you're delivering. And certainly in a B2B space, you know, the, getting value early is, is massive. But in the B2C space, what we're talking about here, through product development, you know, there's no point building something. There's no point spending tens of thousands of pounds uh, on something that people don't want and there's no market for. It's a complete waste of money and a complete waste of time. So it's been really good for the advice I've got from the guys um, and the advisors from a Cooper project is that, you know, take a step back. You really need to get this product market fit. So, so, so yeah, so that's where we are now. And honestly, I think that's, Wow, I think every every episode that I've recorded with all of my guests, people can people can get something out of them. I genuinely think that this episode with you has the potential to be my most important one until now, exactly because because of what you've what you've just said, how you mm-hmm. answer this question. Because I'm looking at it from my perspective. If I was a person, a young person that's trying to 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 start my venture, and as you said, sometimes sometimes when you have especially an idea like yours, which you can you can see around that people are interested in their data and you might just go with the flow and be like yes this is something that people want i'm going to start it now i'm going to spend a lot of money on it directly build this tool and then people people will start using it for sure but then if then if i hear a person like you who's been in the industry for so long have so much experience so much knowledge and yeah. yet you're getting into it so conservatively in terms of you're trying to really deep dive into the subject and understand exactly what is wanted because you know at the moment i have an idea which which i have in my head and i and i was thinking about it and i was like oh yeah sure people will definitely want that but now that i hear you i realize that i'm so far from actually building something before i realize what people exactly want so yeah i i think i think that every every young founder every future founder should should listen to to what you're saying and actually i want to ask you more about validating mm. I believe that validating is underrated. So why do you think it is, is it important and what should founders do to validate their ventures? Yeah, I think it's a very, very good question. Like I say, the, the, the whole market research thing has been a steep learning curve for me. And just, just to touch on that, and, and I think the, the biggest part of it that that's, has been a challenge, you know, 
isn't particularly the technology. It's not working out how the hell are we going to do this, you know, weird and wonderful thing that we're going to put together. It's actually working out how humans behave. What what makes people tick? What's the psychology behind it? What's the sociological effects that making people do the stuff that they do and care about the stuff that they do? One of, one of the very big things that came very apparent very quickly was you can talk to people about their behavior online and they will lie to you. They will, they will lie to your face because in their head, they're not spending that much time on Facebook. In their head, they're not surfing the internet on YouTube for you know 10 hours on a Friday night, whatever it might be. They're saying, yeah, probably spend an hour a day. Okay, <laughs> let's have a look at your screen time. Yeah, it kind of sounds different, doesn't it? So that, that whole denial in, in, in the human is, 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 again, one that would send you down a, a dead end. If you just took what people said as gospel, you would be down a dead end delivering a product that nobody actually is going to use. So, so yeah, so the, the whole, yeah, and it's, I mean, it's fascinating. I've kind of dived into it, you know, both feet and realised I was getting very, very uh, wet, which is when I reached out to the university again and said, you know, I need, I need a little help here. Guys, I'm, I'm, I'm in above my head. Can you come and give us a bit of a steer? So, so yeah, so that's, that's where we got those from. I think just going to your question of the, you know, validation, it, it, it comes back again, I think, to the, the whole notion of, well, it's the move fast and break things, isn't it? You know, get something out there. It's almost the on-the-job validation. It's almost the get it out there, see what works, iterate, get it out there a bit more, iterate, iterate, iterate. And I think that's fine. I, I, I think that's fine when, you, when you've almost got a, a known problem that you're trying to solve. So it might be a problem that you personally have, and you can say to yourself, this is the problem. Many more people might have it. I can check it out with a couple of you know peers that, that might be doing the same thing and i can de devise a solution for it it's relatively i want to say relatively small um it's relatively low cost and you can get it to market relatively quickly for that known, known almost one-to-one -one relationship i think the, the the reason that i'm kind of have been driven down because it wasn't through my choice i just wanted to get cracking i've been driven down quite rightly the the, the validation and research phase is because that i identified quite quickly that to do anything in this space that i want to do is going to take a lot of money and you know basically where i'm getting to is that i need to raise investment for for, for this project and i need to raise significant investment for this project and i can't go to an investor and ask them for a million quid and say yeah, I kind of reckon this is going to work. Give them the input. I've got to validate the problem statements. I've got to validate the assumptions. I've got to have the data that backs it up. And I've got to have, you know, credibility to, 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 to that validation. So it wasn't quite an easy decision. The decision was made for me. I had to have the market research if I was going to raise some money. Yeah. It was as simple as that. I think if you're going into a, a more of a bootstrap business, I think you can be a little bit more almost progressive and that you know the, you know let's build something let's get it out there let's see if it works and and that that is my background that's you know i i like that way because you see some value you see something happening straight away but yeah the, the whole eyes being open to the almost core fundamentals of product development it, it, you know it's fascinating the human behavior and sociological impact you know fascinating yep and also what what, what you're saying i completely agree with it and in the same time it's also important, I guess, for you from personal perspective, because for you to start this business, when you have a thriving consultancy mm -hmm. business at the moment, 
is is a risk yeah. from a, from a personal standpoint. And if you get on it hundred percent, and then you leave your consultancy business mm -hmm. on the back, and let's say that you didn't do all of your research, and now it turns out that people actually don't want that. Now you spent time, you spent money, which you could have put in your consultancy yeah. project, and uh, obviously it would have been better Absolutely. for your personal life. So you know, from one standpoint, I guess younger people can kind of risk it more, but without wanting to call you old, but you know, people, uh, <laughs> yeah, when you, that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. When you, when you have, when you've already built your life and you can't just throw it all out, throw it all away for something that you haven't validated, that is actually a problem that people want to be solved. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. You mean you hit the nail on the head and I, I don't know if we've spoken about this before, but I've, I've, I've spoken to various people before, but getting yourself in a financial and personal position be able to do something like this is is hard man yeah. i mean i've been messing around with this idea for since 2013 i've always harbored ideas of having a product you know i've always wanted to do this and it's not been until now that i've got myself in a financial position to do that and, and great i'm in a financial position to you know hit this 100 and and take it you know hopefully get some investment and, and keep running with it but it's what 42 now i've got a wife i've got a two and a half year old baby you know i've got a mortgage that needs to be paid the, the, the older you get the more responsibilities you get i think not the harder it gets to, to do that but you've just got to be so much more considered there's more things to think about you, you, you know i think if i had the financial capacity at 20 I'd, I'd have tried something straight away and they'd have failed lots of times, but I haven't got a trust fund sat behind me. You know, I, I've had to, you know, negotiate my way into being in a position to do this. And 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 it's almost been a life's work to get to this point. Yeah. So, yeah, so absolutely. I don't want to do this and fail. You know, it's there's almost too much riding on it from an immediate perspective. And for the last 20 years of my life has been built the building towards this point to a greater or lesser degree. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, and I love that you're thinking about it in this way because you know at the moment i'm leaving my job because i didn't like it i want to try something else and it's so easy for me because I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not in your position and even if i can try something it fails and then in a few months i can find another job and it's set mm -hmm. but i i think that what you're saying is very responsible and i believe everyone should be acting in in this way when they have some mm -hmm. stuff that they need to think about because there is a bit of a culture around around throwing everything i've i've seen it a lot i started investing a little bit on the site and i've been joining communities online for investing and there are some ludicrous people who yeah. throw their life savings into into this uh, to these me meme shares no. and meme investments and for me this is just ir ir irresponsible towards yourself first of all it's responsible around to, yeah. to the people that depend on you yeah, so yeah. i applaud you for the way for it the is way that you Thank you. And I, and I think, you know, I, I, got, I got a little bit of comfort from one of your previous guests, Mark Asquith, who came on and said, you know what, he has a, I can't remember what he called it, but what's the worst that can happen? Well, the worst that can happen is that Midas doesn't go anywhere and I go back to being a consultant. You know, I, I, I build Thrive up again. If that doesn't work, what's the worst that can happen? I'll go and get a job. I've built up quite a few skills yeah. <laughs> over the last 20 years that, that you know, I, 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 don't, I don't want to sound beginning, but I'd like to think I can go into a job and get a reasonable, get, get enough to support me. So, you know, I'm, I'm, although I am risking everything, it's managed risk. And I think that's the, that's, that's the, that's the, almost the state to get into. Let's get back to, to, to start with validation. And one of the, one of the mm. ways that, that I, that I see online that people use for startup validation and for clarification of their ideas is the formula X for Y for your startup. 
like Uber for Y or Facebook for this, Twitter for that, whatever. Do you think that yeah, this yeah. is a good way to, to formulate your startup idea? Or do you think that everyone should be looking for a unique solution? Yeah, I think it's a really good question. And, and, I, and I think the, the short answer is it depends. I think the X for Y description has its place, you know, as I'm learning at the minute, you, you know, if you're trying to raise investment or you're trying to raise awareness, you know, you've got a limited time with these people. You need to get your, your position across quickly. So to say you are the Uber for however it might be, you know, the X for Y, I think works, you know, works really well to go, ah, I get it now. I think that, I think it does work very well for that. Again, it depends on what your, what solution is you're providing, it, you know, there's all this within the, the, the not the industry, but in the entrepreneurial toolbox is, you know, are you creating something new or are you creating something better? If it's something better, or something's already out there, reasonably easy to understand. So perhaps you need to lead a little bit more on what the uniqueness is about what you're doing. If you're creating something brand new, then I think to liken it to something is, is almost obvious because, you know, you're trying to pitch a conceptual idea to somebody and for them to visualize your what's in your mind to say it's it's like this for this industry um, I, I think that you know that works really well so it, it entirely depends on the audience the product and yeah who you're who you're trying to convince I think <laughs> would you say that Midas can be can be formulated in this formula and, it, and if if yes what, what would that be yeah I think you know there's, there's a few things that, that come around and, and we you know although I've got plenty of ideas on the product roadmap we haven't validated what the customers want yet, yeah. you know, so I could be saying it's this and it sounds really great. And, 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 you know, the customers are like, well, well, I'm not really bothered. We yeah. want to go down this way. So you know, there are a few things and, you know, the things that, that, that come across and they're, well, one of them, one of them that comes across, which was actually posed to me by somebody saying, oh, is it so-and-so? <clears throat> and it's quite, sometimes quite emotive. It's, it's the Cambridge Analytica scandal for the people. So, you know, obviously the Cambridge Analytica scandal took a load of Facebook data, analyzed it, gave these insights back to Facebook to go and target whoever they were. Brilliant, brilliant idea, executed horrendously. You know, no consent from the user, you know, just ridiculous. But the value in that was, was obvious. The value of that, those insights that you could have from that, you know, vast sea of Facebook data were, were huge. So, yeah, one of the concepts is to, to look at this with the user consent to say, okay, give us consent. We will have a look at what this data means and we will provide the benefits back to you as a user, as a consumer. Do you want the benefit of it rather than it being a, you know, a, a tech entity that's benefiting off your, off the back of your data? So, yeah, so that's one of the concepts and that's, that's one that we're, we're kind of progressing with the university and a potential sort of innovate UK style R&D grant position. But again, it comes back to who the customers care. Is that what they're bothered about? Well, yeah, it sounds great, but I'm not bothered. Yeah, so all this is kind of going to validate these these hundreds of ideas that we've got to, uh, to put on the product roadmap. Yeah. And I think that one of the most important things will be how easy it is for customers to use. Because I'm thinking about the way I use my phone. And it's so easy yeah. for me to open YouTube, start watching videos. And I don't think about the fact that I generate data that Google is using so they can sell ads, so they can keep making money and improving yeah, their, yeah. improving their tools if if it's even slightly bothersome and if it's slightly annoying i think that it wouldn't be it, it yeah. wouldn't be massively adopted because this is just the way it is it's exactly that that is exactly that you know 
humans are very reluctant to change <laughs> how do apps keep people coming back you know there, there's 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 university courses on on making people addicted to your app in fact i think there's a there's a book called addicted and it's about creating addiction in apps which keep you coming back you know i mean the whole social dilemma thing on netflix you know it is literally how do i get your attention how do i keep keep you coming back why do i want to do that because i want to sell you advertising you know it, it, it's that it's those behaviors that, that you know we need to try and understand because you're right you know if i put an app out there and say yeah it's all fancy dancy and you say well i can't be asked <laughs> you know it's just sat there as you know gathering dust so yeah another part of the research um is to understand human behavior and how how we can hook into them from an ethical perspective. I think that's one of the core themes through the Midas proposition is, is is the ethics of it. You know, it's transparency, it's honesty, it's independence, it's, yeah, it's ethical. And that's, you know, what we really want to try and hammer home with the uh, the position for the business as well as the technology. So yeah, so finding what that hook is, is one of the critical uh, pieces of the jigsaw. Yeah, sounds great. Let's talk about the map again, the timeline. You said that you would yeah. definitely need investment because we're talking about a, a tool which would be highly, highly technological. You, you will need investment mm -hmm. so you can build it. You need people to help you build it. At what point are you be are you going to be looking for investment in Midas? Yeah. So the current timeline is research should be finished at the end of July. It will probably take a little bit of time for the analysis uh, and, and reports on that, actually pinpointing what that is. There'll be an amount of personal investment. So the first sort of pre-seed stage to get as a prototype of the MVP, maybe, whatever the research tells us to do. Uh, we're hoping to get done for sort of, yeah, quarter three, quarter four this year to start looking for seed investment you know, quarter one, quarter two next year. If we can pull that forward any, we certainly will. But yeah, given the, yeah, given the, the vast nature of, of you know, the, the research study that we're, we're doing, we're being reasonably conservative with that, but we are pushing to better that timeline um, all the time. Uh, so yeah, so look, let's say, look for seed investment come quarter one, 2022. That seed investment, I'm being advised, we need to raise enough for 12 to 18 months runway whatever that looks like and then potentially you know further investment after that 12 to 18 months but the the, the seed investment really is 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 to help us get that product market the current stage is the research to tell us what to do once the research has told us what to do we can build a prototype which will be show the investors potentially what yeah. it is but then from the seed investment you know we'll be actually making that a production scalable a service a product so then when we go into the next round of investment we have a little bit of traction we have some customers we have a core you know product that's that's actually generating revenue and then from there from that next phase of um, investment is really you know that's the, the growth phase as they say or as i'm being advised is you know that's the growth phase where we just hammer home the product that we've got the market fit that we've made we just enter the market and and, and try and try and build from there so yeah, that's the that's the kind of helicopter view plan. And let's be right, what what's what's the the first thing everyone tells you about a plan is it's it's only only valid uh, as soon as you've 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 written it, <laughs> or it's invalid as soon as you've written it down. So um, yeah, that's kind of the the loose milestones that we're trying to hit. Yeah, what was the saying? Uh, life is what happens around you while you're planning about it. That's exactly it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. It'll do what it'll do. You've just got to try and drive it in the way that you want it to go. But yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's good fun. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, don't get me wrong. I 
I do love me some some planning. I remember one really good saying I heard was that well, you can't plan technically for what's going to happen because things are always going to change and you can't predict the future. What you can do is try to increase the probability of success. And that can only happen if you do, yeah. if, if you have this kind of vision in front of you and you do have uh, something outlined. So, you know, at any point what you might be doing, of course, then you're going to reiterate yeah. because things, things will change inevitably. Have you considered, yeah, have you considered looking at tools like Crowdcube for investment or you want to do it in the, in a kind of traditional way with, with VCs behind you? Yeah, so yeah, it's 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 all on the table to be honest with you. I'm on a one of the other programs, the Capital Enterprises Funding Readiness Program, mm-hmm. which is done in combination with Barclays Eagle Lab, I think. It's it's one of the contacts that the guys at the Cooper Project have, have put me in touch with. So got accepted on this funding readiness program with Capital Enterprise. Now this readiness program basically gives you the ins and outs of, you know, what the investment landscape looks like from equity from crowdfunding from grant funding from debt financing from you know whatever other sources of cash are but it kind of gives you the lowdown on that which has been really really useful had a couple of one-to-ones with crowdsourcing specialists and grant funding specialists crowdsourcing really really interesting you know because part of what we're trying to do is uh, create awareness create I want to say create a movement of people that have or want to take visibility and control of there. So, you know, it kind of fits really well with that crowdfunding yeah. uh, model. I, th- I think, and in talking to the lady from the, the crowdfunding side, it's probably a later stage funding that we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll do with that once we've got a little bit of traction, a little bit of awareness in the in the marketplace. Because uh, at the minute, of course, it's, it's purely conceptual and could go nowhere. But yeah, crowd, crowdfunding is really good. And, you know, for anyone there that's... that's wanting to raise money i would highly recommend the capital enterprise program it's uh, very very insightful yeah and so just just to kind of add on to that can you expand a little bit about sheffield's ecosystem so you're part of the cooper project congrats on joining the capital enterprise program as well so how how helpful was the sheffield's uh, sheffield's ecosystem and the stakeholders within it and what are resources and organizations that you can recommend to other founders looking to validate their ideas at the moment yeah, it's been, I must admit, I've got the guys at the Cooper Project, Tom and Rose, have been fantastic. You know, I can't thank them enough. I must admit, having worked sort of in technology in Sheffield for the last 20 years, it almost felt a little bit clicky. You know, the startup scene, the the, the agency scene within Sheffield, they didn't, there wasn't much involvement when I was at Solar Vista and when I was doing my, well, when I'm still doing my um, consultancy, it mainly sort of national clients. I was up and down the motorway doing that kind of thing. So I wasn't really plugged into the scene at all. I happened to come across the Cooper project on a LinkedIn, I think, something like that, post. And yeah, so so got on with Tom Wolfenden and Rose Tran from the Cooper project. And yeah, you know, they, they, they've been really, really good, really supportive, gave me a load of initial resources, you know, from starting the business uh, or starting the concept. Uh, trying to wrestle it into something, a few load of books to read, resources to have a look at, you know, the lean canvas yeah. for actually putting this this business model down. On. Yeah, it'd be really good. And the check-in and the, and the, and the whole, the rest of the Cooper Project cohort, if you like, very supportive. There's a WhatsApp group joined in the pandemic. So, you know, a lot of it was remote and, and uh, Zoom to begin with. But yeah, since... Since we've been allowed back in the office, I've been back in using some space here and I've now obviously just taken an office here. So again, that whole incubation process, if you like, you know, has worked very well for for, for me. 
so far. I started with the concept and the idea, got the support from the guys I needed to, to wrestle it into something a little bit more coherent. Moved from there, got the contacts with the, uh, the universities, which is where we've got the grant funding for the interns to come on board and do market research. They've also put me in touch with the Capital Enterprise guys and got on that funding readiness program. And also the contacts I'm speaking to at uh, Sheffield Innovation Partnership as well. So, the, the, yeah, the, the, the ecosystem as I know it is kind of the Cooper Project and a, a few of the, the other the other elements within that. I'm yet to venture out any further, so I can't really comment, but it looks really thriving. There's certainly a lot more going on than um, I was certainly aware of. Definitely. Shall we crack on with the five questions that I ask all my guests at the end of, of every episode? Why not? <laughs> Go for it. Great. So starting with a book, what's one book that you would recommend for every founder or future founder? So yeah, I, I, I did a little bit of a, a look back. I'm, I'm, I'm more of an audible person these days. So it's a, it's audio books, but I think one of the key, I'm going to give you two, to be honest with you, Dennis, I'm going to give you two books. The first one is Behind the Cloud by Mark Benioff of Salesforce. Absolutely fantastic book. It's a, I think it's written as a playbook. But it's basically his story of how he went from Oracle exec, you know, founded Salesforce and basically built, let's be right, the first SaaS-based B2B software in the world. And, in, in, well, you know what they're doing now. They just bought Slack for God knows how many billion. Very good, written very well, you know, loads of learnings in it for anyone that wants to learn about the SaaS industry. And, and yeah, it's kind of, I work a lot better I want to say being inspired by a story. Mm-hmm. You know, I like the story. I like to, you know, understand what they went through. And then I can go and look at the technical, you know, how did they actually do that? I'm going to have a look at the mechanics of it. I, I, I can't read um, very, very dry books. You know, it, it, it just doesn't work for me. So I like the story. I like the, you know, the, the romantic, you know, uh, novel, so to speak. Um, and on that same vein, the other one is Startup Land by Mikkel somebody rather can't remember but it's the founding story of Zendesk okay and again written very well a few guys it's a very similar position to me which I think why it resonates you know had their own consultancies tried to do something wanted to make the world of customer service better an attic in Copenhagen went to raise their, their funding and now the uh, the darling of Silicon Valley yeah. so the, the, the whole journey and the story it, it, again it's written very well the the, the main guy the CEO from from Zendesk is, yeah, he, he comes across very well. So yeah, those two books, and I'd like say, I think they're more stories, let's we say, than uh, than actual playbooks, but, uh, but yeah, definitely a good read. Very good recommendations, and I've actually read both because both companies are very interesting. For Salesforce, I think their story is actually underappreciated, and the way we talk about technology, technological companies, and then we don't talk so much about Salesforce with the fact that they own so much of the, of the SaaS space and CRM space, and just the size of that company and the fact that Mark Benioff literally built a sector which is thriving around the world now. And uh, at at the time, SaaS was nothing. People were skeptical about it. And the way he did it is is simply phenomenal and what it grew into. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is. It's very good. Yeah. And and then Zendesk is an example of a company that can drive an ecosystem by itself. It started great idea. Obviously, uh, a lot of value in that company, and it's basically an example of how one yeah. one successful startup can can create that spark for a whole ecosystem to yeah. to, to thrive. Absolutely. And by the way, I want to recommend one book to you. Just uh, have you read Lean Customer Development yeah. by Cindy Alvarez? No, I haven't. 
I think that that's, that book would be very, very good for you at the moment because it's exactly about yeah. about validation. It's about working with the customer. Maybe it's going to come handy in about after July when you're going to have, uh, you know, a ready thing yeah. to do. And after that, I think it's it's very it's very good in the sense that it tells a story, but it's also very practical where okay. you have step by step what you need to do in order to keep reiterating your product so it keeps delivering value to the customer uh, in the sense that you said, not not what the customer thinks they want, but what they actually want at the moment. Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. I'll send you a link to it so, so you can see exactly yeah, which really is. And I think you. it would be would be good for you. Yep. Second question is for the name. Why the name Midas? Oh, I mean, you actually said it, but uh, why exactly that name? <laughs> I did. I did. It was, yeah. And I must admit, it, it's a little bit of a working title at the minute. Yep. Um, I, I think it's a little bit like Marmite. It kind of works from the techies perspective. Techies seem to like it, you know, it's as a service, you know, software as a service, platform yep. as a service, infrastructure as a service. It, that, that's where it comes from. So it's my data as a service, you know. So it kind of works from that perspective. If you speak to marketing people about it, they're like, well, what, what, what's it mean? What is it? No, I don't really get it. A um, little bit less um, enthusiastic. And probably the, 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 <laughs> the biggest reason why it's still a working title is that I spoke to my mum and told her what was going on. And she's like, that's lovely, Dad. I haven't got a clue what it is, but why have you called it my ass? <laughs> well, it might not stay Midas for long. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so so yeah, it stands for my data as a service. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll see whether it stays as my data as a service. Maybe you can look at a wordplay with uh, Midas. Wasn't Midas the name of the king that would that would turn everything into goat when they when he touches it? Yeah, yeah, there was a bit, little bit of a play on that as well with the, yeah, obviously the data being the, the, the next black oil or whatever they call yeah. it. Yeah, there was a little bit, a bit of that on it, but but yeah, I think I think my mum's phrase of my ass <laughs> will stick with me forever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, third question is about a place in Sheffield. What's one place that you would recommend for everyone to visit? So I, I thought about this and I thought, Shall I tell them somewhere that I don't like going because I've got lots of sponsored people. So my favourite place in Sheffield is Red Myers, Red Myers Reservoirs, which is just at the uh, other side of Lodgemore, sort of northwest Sheffield, I think. On the fringes of the Peak District, three reservoirs that serve Sheffield, and there's walks around them that you can take. Walk around all three, walk around one, walk around two. Yeah, just, just I, th I think like majority of people who live in Sheffield, you know, just getting out of the city, yeah. you know, being so easy in Sheffield is, uh, is is fantastic. But yeah, if you get a chance, go for a walk at, uh, at Red Myers. Right. Next one is a bit more philosophical. If you had 15 minutes with your 20 year old self, what would you tell him? I thought long and hard about this as well. And, and, and I know it's one of your regular questions. And I think I, I don't want to say, don't worry about it. It'll be all right. I want to say, no, embrace the fear. You need to get off your ass and do it because nobody's going to do it for you. Make it happen, but you can make it happen. So I, I think, you know, in the, in the yeah most philosophical sense of the world, if I went back and just said, just, just get your head down, crack on, yep. keep going. You know, it's the uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. But yeah, I'm one of those people. I need a, I need a deadline. You know, I need something to work towards. If it's not got a deadline, it'll go to the bottom of the pile. Mm. You know, it's you know it's just my nature. So yeah, give me a deadline and we'll 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 nail it. Let's end on a high note. What's one big, hairy, and audacious goal for Midas? <laughs> now I know you know this, and I've been thinking about whether it 
it's a ridiculous statement to make, and it is a ridiculous statement to make. But, you know, we're talking big, hairy, audacious goals here. You know, I, 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 I'm from Sheffield. I'm Sheffield born and bred. I, I, I love the place. You know, I've lived various places, but Sheffield's my home. And I don't think it's represented as much as it should be in the in, in the, the digital world, should we say. So, yeah, the big, hairy, audacious goal is to try and create Sheffield's first unicorn. Now, <laughs> as ridiculous as that sounds, I know that sounds ridiculous. But you know what? Why not? Fuck it. Let's do it. Absolutely. And <laughs> this is actually episode 20. And I think for for my milestone for episode 20, this is a great, a great big, hairy, and audacious goal. <laughs> To have well tom it was yeah. it was great talking to you you too dennis really really good thank you ever so much hope you enjoyed this episode with tom as much as i did and just as an example of a topic-centered episode the new concept that i will try in Shiv valley is one with tom where we will discuss primarily the negative effects of social media on the human psychology as we kind of steered in that direction on few occasions but kept getting to my das which was the center of today's discussion. Let me know if episodes of that kind would be something interesting to listen to. That was it for today, Shiva's 20th and last episode with a former format. From episode 21 it's time for changes, let's hope that they will be positive and will make your experience with this podcast even more beneficial. Stay safe, have a nice day and until next time.